Today, I'm just going to read a little bit from the Garland of the Guru Saints. These are just different selected quotes from uh, Ramana Maharishi. In the first quote, he says, even if the sense of doership is dead, how can one call the sage a mukta freed from all bonds of karma? Do we not see him eating, engaged in work, bearing a body of flesh and suffering pain? If you ask this, the answer is true in your sight. He or she seems to suffer. You see the saint suffering, but did he tell you that he suffered? Ramana goes on to say the sage enjoys as his own being the bliss of all transcendent beings. The error lies in the rest of us who see him as a body that suffers. From doership, freed and steadfastly serving the Supreme, the saint seems to calm and earn both merit and guilt. The merit goes to those who praise him, however, and the sin or the dismerit goes to those who condemn him. There's an old wives tale in America about uh, son of a preacher man, the son of a saint, that if you do bad deeds to the son of a preacher, son of a saint it'll come back on you tenfold and I've seen this in life and talked to other uh, normal people whose fathers were priests or preachers same experiences with them as well the impact on anyone who does harm to any type of spiritual person is significant. And life does this, the world does this, God does this to teach the world respect, to help to guide mankind to a higher level of enlightenment. And we are going to see a significant increase in this type of activity during this time frame with all the chaos going on in the world. Those individuals that are causing harm to populations and to any type of reciprocant of any type of evil, especially if they're beautiful people, the evildoers are going to pay three to tenfold over time and perhaps even greater to the spiritual people that they hurt the most. I had another situation where someone stole, uh, wasn't a great sum, it was 10,000. One week later, he um, ended up with a stroke. A year after that, he died, and his partner, who contributed in the theft as well, um, 
his wife came down with cancer the very next day after the theft. I've heard countless stories from other sons and daughters of priests and preachers and rabbis that are similar. We're so lucky to be in the company of great souls. We're every one of us, every single one of us is so fortunate. But the only thing that really matters on the path is not the attitudes that we have towards saints or that others have towards the saints that we uh, are endeared to, but our simple awareness of the divine presence in ourselves. That's all that really matters. But I bring these other subjects up because we're going through such a difficult time in the world right now. And people ask why. And simple answer is there's a silver lining in everything that happens. A lot of souls are waking up there realizing that perhaps they've wasted their life uh, chasing the American dream or the European dream or the Asian dream, <laughs> Middle Eastern dream. True happiness is not to be found in the world. It's meant to be found inside. And in times of chaos like this, spiritual souls like us find a greater hunger for the divine. We experience a greater hunger to go within true satisfaction, respect, and gratitude for the gifts that we receive when we are looking inward. Someone asked Ramana, how can deeds get done when the doership is, <laughs> not, is lost and not there? Do we not see deeds being done by the saints, says Ramana? They being egoists, it is God himself who dwelling in their hearts performs all deeds. He says the actions of a Jiva Mukti done in a trance-like stillness, free from any sense of I or mine, are like the swallowing of food by a sleeping child while still asleep. What does he mean by that? When the divine presence is something that you're having an intimate relationship with. It is so intimate, that relationship becomes so intimate that you can end up not paying attention to anything else. You might see things happening in the world, but they're just like flashing stars at night. They come and they go real fast. You don't follow them. You don't try and figure out where this, the star in the night came from or where it's going. But the divine within you will direct the mind to do what needs to be done in the world so that no one will know that you're living in the world but not of it. But also, once the divine presence directs the mind and lives within your mind as well, the view that the mind gives forth is a divine view, a divine presence within everything that the mind does. And so in this manner, the divine presence is waking up the world around you automatically 
while you stay awake within your awareness of the divine. As the porter hired to carry luggage, says Ramana, he puts it down at the journey's end. But the sage is happy at the same time that he has to shed the body's burden. Until we reach intimacy with the divine presence, it's really difficult sometimes if you go deep within, close to the crown chakra, you haven't gone beyond the causal plane, into the causal plane yet. Coming back to the world of the mind is like stepping out of paradise into a sewer, not a fun experience. And the transition is what increases and embellishes the agony of separation at that point, you see. If you're looking at the divine presence, you can feel the divine presence in your meditation so close that you can almost touch it. You're radiating with a harmonic resonance. It's just incredible, absolutely incredible. The bliss is be off the charts. The clarity of awareness off the charts. Sense of freedom and peace is off the charts. But if you accidentally glance at a sound or a light or try to create a memory of your beautiful experience, we fall, then we fall back into the mind, you see. And again, it's like walking through a door in heaven and landing in a sewer. Ramana goes on to say, can a poor little insect drowning in the deep sea raise its head and save itself? And can the mind can bound, and the body-bound ego raise its head above the flood, the silent tide of pure awareness? Can the whole egoless mind light up and become the bright glory of self-beingness? No, no, the soul can, of course. Can the ego ever be bewildered? by the divine and the phenomenal world? Can these false phantoms materialize in the clear, marvelous space of transcendent pure awareness? They can for the soul. They can for the jiva on the spiritual path. But if the individual is looking outward, chasing the desires, chasing its desires in the world or running from its fears in the world, it, doesn't have a chance of ex experiencing these things in the world. And Ramana is specifically talking about the potential that a jiva deep within his or her own sadhana can experience while they're in the world, not just on the cushion, but while they're in the world. In the world, such a jiva, such a soul, even as a jiva, even, in, even before the eye centers reach, can have thousands of marvelous transcendent experiences of pure awareness, brief that they might be. They come, they come, they come, they come for every jiva on, this, on the path. What is this highest glory, this state of Jiva Mukti, 
to be yearned for and striven for and gained, to know and be the self, says Ramana, and so to end the rampant ego which sprang from forgetfulness of one's true being. This is the path of the jiva, the path of the disciple, the path of someone striving to go within. A normal person in the world, one who chases fears and desires constantly, usually can't even see who around him is a jiva, who around him is looking inward, much less who around him has gone deep within. Such things are hidden from the worldly people. The body is born of divine presence and may not escape its divine presence. But having snapped the knot between matter and awareness, the lucky disciples have now gone beyond the reach of karma. This happens in the causal plane when we... Ramana continues and says, if someone questions since the body came into being only by karma, Will it not then fall when karma ends? The answer is, tell me truly in whose sight and for whom does this physical body seem to continue to exist? It only seems to continue to exist within the mind-body awareness. Just as the ego will hold on to the notion of a body, our soul and clear awareness will ultimately hold on to the sense of self-perception, self-existence, till the soul comes face to face with the divine presence in the causal plane. Even the sense of self-perception disappears. From that point onward, there's only one consciousness, the divine consciousness. A man dead drunk, blind, knows not whether his clothes are on or off. Even so, the sage whose being is bright awareness knows not whether his body and object fault and earth is present or else absent. <laughs> We've talked so many times about the fact that you can wake up in the morning and only see light and feel the body, can't feel anything in the world, can't hear anything from the world. But you're, you're awake and you're in the world, but you're in the world only as awareness. Only as pure awareness, surrounded by brilliant light and sense of resonance, bliss. That's what Ramana is talking about here. Even so, he says, the sage whose being, whose sense of existence, is nothing but a bright awareness, knows not whether he has a body or he's in his body, or what the objects are around him or whether he is present or else absent from the world. You don't know until you wake out of that cloud of perfect light. The self knows not whether the transient body comes and stays or dies and leaves, even as the senseless drunkard knows not what happens to his clothes. You just don't know. It's usually happens after a night of tremendous meditation and Sometimes when you, in those types of nights, you're even meditating uh, as the dreamer in the dreams, meditating, watching the dream go by. All of a sudden, the morning comes and you wake up not 
with sights of the world and sounds of the world and smells of the world. You just wake up as a ball of brilliant light. And like Ramana suggests, and like we've talked about before, you when you come out of that, you don't know if you're naked or clothed. <laughs> you have to look. Do I have clothes on? Oh, good, I've got clothes on. Whew, that's good. Where am I? Oh, I'm at work. <laughs> I guess that's good too. <laughs> Obviously, Ramana has had similar experiences. As a brown silk garment burnt to ashes seems to be, yet is not a garment. The body, the human body of a Jivan Mukta, flawless, ego-free. But the form, the great saint's silent, firm abidance as self-awareness, which succeeds the ego's death. Brahma's own state of bliss, supreme. The total absence of all others. This is an experience that none can understand. Why does he say that no one can understand this experience? Our self-perception as an experiencer, even in the soul, even in the state of the soul, the soul experiences itself as a individual awareness until it merges with the divine. In the uh, Sahaj port, just on the other side of the crown chakra. After that, when there's but one consciousness, can anyone then claim that they see this or see that? No, no, no. It's the divine mm. that sees these things and knows these things and experiences these things. We can come back with memories, but to say that we saw this or we saw that is false. It's but the experiences of the divine. And we'll all get there. Because the divine presence, that divine consciousness that sees everything within the cosmos, is within us at the core of our soul. Once we care not whether we look, whether we see, whether we feel the divine, when the mere presence of the divine consciousness is enough when we care not even deeper whether we feel it or not when the awakening process by itself is all that we know when we've forgotten that we've ever existed when we've forgotten that anything can exist when we know not of anything else that exists except the divine presence. When our attention of the divine presence is equal to the attention of the divine presence on us, when we can feel and sense nothing other than the divine presence in the awakening process, then you see self-perception of the soul disappears and then we're able to merge. Then we become the divine presence, the consciousness of the divine presence. Beyond the reach of words extends the greatness of the saint. None but he as the divine can know the state of beingness vaster than the sky 
taller than the mountain, stronger, firmer, more real than anything else. To experience it, you yourself must shed your own self-consciousness as well as your own soul consciousness. The true sage who has realized the greater self realizes the greater self directly, immediately, and timelessly as a source of all wealth and plenitude and richness and beingness in the cosmos. Such a sage becomes formless, radiates the same love, the same light as the divine, and experiences nothing as a soul, but everything as the divine. For such a soul becomes the savior, sovereign Lord and the master of the cosmos and every world within it. The sage who has melted into the beingness of the greater self, source consciousness, divine consciousness, is asleep as a soul, asleep, even greater asleep as a person, and yet fully awake, fully immersed in the still deep immutable ocean of divine, blissful, supreme consciousness. The learned man letting go of the self, the real being sees and cherishes this dream, this false elusive world, perhaps as a scholar who loses himself in the world just the same. The scriptures tell us, search and find the self within yourself, holding in their hands the mirror and the scripture, which declares the self alone is to be known. The greater self alone is what's looking at the greater self alone. However, many of us study with care just the text and the commentaries take things literally instead of experiencing things through the soul. Seek the greater self and gain the true wisdom there, says Ramana. Great, gain the true life of the sadhana, the sadhana that you're meant to have, the sadhana you're meant to be. The seer, the saint, has realized the source of the true beingness within him and the light, the gracious light that sustains the entire world. The world is full of madmen who trivialize the seekers and the saints and thus don't understand the true grandeur, the true beauty, the true treasure, the true preciousness of mystic seekers and mystic saints. True beingness, pure, clear awareness. That is what we are. That is the one source of every experience, every sound, every light that we see within and without, within the life of Jiva. The true, pure awareness spontaneously acting within us at all times. And in our heart, it's forever shining, forever helping to wake up the world. The true, rare silence of the Guru reveals it. 
Hence, such silence is more eloquent than any conversation of any kind. The divine is within us. And when we look within, we search within, when we love that which is awakening us from the inside out, when we wait with bated breath for the arrival of the awakening process, when we want nothing more than the sight of the divine presence, the feeling of the harmonic resonance that captures our very essence, explodes within our very essence. It's a sight, the touch, the sensation of the divine presence within us. This is the awareness. This is the experience that we were born to have. It's an experience in primordial silence of the mind, silence of emotions, silence of mind-body awareness. But it's, a, it's an experience, energy, beyond belief, an awareness beyond belief, a light so brilliant, so utterly brilliant. Beingness is itself. But it has no beingness, it has no form. It is formless, non-dual. It is thus the silence, the experience of deathless sat-chit-ananda bliss. All rivers flow towards and merge into this great ocean of Satchitananda bliss, the deep ocean of awareness and bliss, where there is no room for any other differences or perspectives of any other kind. In the great silence within, there is no sense of difference or beingness. It is but the harmonic resonance divine consciousness. Namaste.